Welcome back, everybody, to another fun episode of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. I uh, just want to remind you now that I'm looking at the data, please like, share, do all that fun stuff because the podcast is really getting a lot of momentum. I got a fun guest on the show today, a gentleman I got to hang out with at uh, Universal Whiskey this past year, and he brought some pretty amazing whiskey. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, with no further ado, I'd like to introduce Gordon Dundas to the show. Gordon, how are you, sir? I'm very well, very well. Great to be on. Great to be on. I'm uh, excited to speak to you guys. Yeah, Gord, you want to introduce yourself to the to the guest? Second, yeah, I have one of those. I mean, my job is one of those jobs that you sort of think, you know, wow, that's a great job. It is a great job. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. I get to basically fly around the world talking about whiskey. I mean, there's a bit more to it than that, but pretty much, that's a lot of what I do. And so we met obviously in Vegas uh, in April. And since then I've been in China and I've been in Korea, all over Europe. So it's a great job. It's tiring, but it's a great job. And it's a really important job because, you know, this is so many whiskeys out there, really good whiskeys across the, across the world. We just want to tell you our story, a little bit of why ours are different tastes, different style to the, the next distillery. And particularly in Scotland with 140 distilleries, it's really important to understand the differences between those distilleries. So that's what I do. Now, let's go back to the personal life. And when did a whiskey, what, what did whiskey look like? And when did you take a sip of whiskey and go, shit, I like this stuff. And it wasn't for being intoxicated. It was more of the appreciation. It wasn't like round one is normally like, hey, this booze makes me feel kind of good. I like it. Round yeah. two is like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that look hot. I mean, I was never, you know, I was sort of at university and I was, you know, you know, I'm a sort of playing rugby and I'm a big sort of fan of, um, you know, the social side of rugby and, you know, um, with the Rugby World Cup about to start, I'm a big fan of that. So, no, I was, I was um, at university and I went out one night and had a few beers and somebody, we went back to somebody's house and they, they were quite a whiskey, whiskey person and they poured me, wait till you hear this, a Glen Fartless 105. And it's, you know, I'm like, boom. Um, but he hey. had the vision. He had the vision, and a bit, this is back in the 90s. He had the vision to say, and it's not a vision, but he said, you can add water. So I tried it first up. I was like, holy moly. That's quite powerful. And I added some water and actually went, oh, I get it now. I get this now. You know, I'm, you know, after about 20 minutes, I'm like, I really like this. I did wake up the next day feeling a little, hmm. I thought, oh, I do like whiskey. And that's probably when it sparked. But I didn't end up working in it until 2003. So after the spark, did you continue trying other whiskeys? Like, like that was the drink? Because like for me growing up in South Africa, it was J&B, Johnny Walker Black, Bells, and Shivers. Like, and they were always on the rocks. And... Mm -hmm. And and you would literally you could sit with that drink for an hour because we just keep getting watered down. And that's what you know, no sodas, none of that, you know, but it was definitely iced. It wasn't until I tasted a Glendronic Sherry Cacks just plain. I was like, yeah. I kind of like this no ice thing. Like you get to the essence of the whiskey. You have a similar experience after that far club. I mean, one oh five, you know, considering most scotch is you know, 40 to 43 that's oh, why yeah. they jump well they come out at and <laughs> yeah i mean for your first one you were like Whoa, 
office. And remember, this is winter in Scotland, so ice was not on the agenda. But um, I was like, yeah, the addition of water is always, you know, I've always advocated it. We make it with water, so you yeah. should add some if you want yeah. to. But ice is, I mean, you know, I, I was a little bit skeptical on ice until I went and lived in a hot country with whiskey. Uh, well, I didn't. I went on holiday a few times, and I said, oh, this is actually really nice. Now, we know that ice suppresses the flavor a little bit, but hey, it's all about just drinking a drinking experience. So when I'm at home, I'm not drink. I don't drink whiskey out of a Glencairn glass at home. It's not my, it's not my thing. Glencairn glasses actually say to me, "Work." They actually, you know. So when I when I'm drinking at home, I get a nice rocks glass, hot day, get a cast strength whiskey, got an ice bowl, and I pop it in there. What a fantastic experience! And so when you were drinking your blended whiskey in South Africa. You probably just had lumps of ice in it, and it probably... Oh, yeah, I mean, really that's how it came, on the yeah. rocks, on the rocks, but, but, you know, on the rocks, you know. But, but if you really want it, for me, you, if you can make that ice melt really slowly, then putting in a ball form will help you with that. And um, actually, you see that as that ice melts into the whiskey, particularly cast strength, you're going to see the change more than anything. Fabulous experience, because you see it change. It's great. So I'm a big advocate of ice, and uh, hey, I wouldn't mind it... Uh, Sitting, 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 drinking some blends with loads of ice. Sounds good to me. Mind you, by the end, they're quite watery. Yeah, it's very watery. I mean, and that was also the way to sit, you know, if you were driving to kind of keep your shit together. <laughs> you know, this is, this is, this is, this is pre-Uber and all of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? It was yeah. the same, but, but I remember like how cool the setups would be as well, because they would bring you a glass with the whiskey, a little tumbler with some ice in it, and a little carafe with soda and a carafe of water. And that was like whiskey setup, because like yeah. there weren't people drinking it. Like people were drinking schnapps and vodka, yeah, yeah. and you know, and, and and you know, rums and stuff like that. You ordered scotch, you're like, what are you, an old man? Wow, <laughs> like, yeah, and and you know that sort of setup with the ice and the water and the it's quite intimidating. You know, it's oh, quite intimidating sure. to some to people who are like, oh, I'm not going to drink that. Look at the rigmarole you have to go through. Oh yeah, we've gone way past that. that. Yeah, we've gone way past that. Well, and it's also it's also interesting because you know the ABVs were low, and yeah, yeah. like in the last in the last five years, it's like how much higher do you guys want to go? I mean, we just don't get to. I mean, unless it's a real vintage stuff, like you just don't get a good low ABV because they're like, well, hey, people obviously want more, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it, but sometimes I just kind of want to go back to like a forty to forty three. Yeah, you don't want to be challenged every single time. You just want to, oh yeah, this is good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I've got. I I was at Tamdu the other the other week, and we were doing a sort of dedication day, brilliant day. And I tasted the Tamdu at sixty six percent alcohol, and I was like, I mean, it was, I mean, it was actually very drinkable at sixty six. And I was like, is this sixty six? But it was. And then I was yeah. like, I mean, yeah, I, I am going to add a drop of water to that. But I mean, you know. It, 66 percent alcohol my my well, biggest I mean, thing I've done that with bourbons i've done yeah, yeah. bourbons and enjoying yeah. a nice meal you know like it was not just like sitting in a tasting because like we we're talking before we started recording it's like those are the ones that walk out going like i don't know i think i broke something on the inside i don't think your body's <laughs> supposed to to process at these levels i think i think i think my tongues had an incident <laughs> you know and 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 the inside lining of my stomach might be torn open now. That's just bleeding re- yeah. through it. Okay, so yeah. oh, okay, so we go from Glen Farquhar to what's the next? Like, when does the whiskey profession action like? What does that look like? 
I was in about 2003. I started to work for Whiskey Magazine, uh, which is the worldwide Bible of Whiskey Magazine. I mean, that Whiskey Magazine, obviously, uh, Whiskey Advocate. If it, I yep. think it's Whiskey Advocate. Over, over in the yeah, States. Yeah, they do the shows. Uh, the are, yeah, they do all the Whiskey yeah. Fests. And, yeah, yeah. So we, they, we were enemies. We weren't really enemies. But we were, I mean, we were the big magazines. And it was one of those things that I started working for Whiskey Magazine and then started to work on the shows, which were Whiskey Live. So they weren't Whiskey Fest, yeah. they were Whiskey Live. Yes, and there's Whiskey yeah. Lives all over the world. Yeah. And I actually put on the first ever Whiskey Live in New York, which was quite the scariest thing. So this is because 2003, right? That was probably about 2005, maybe 2000, 2005, I think it was. And it was it's at Tavern on still the Creek. Like New York, that's still New York, New York. Like it's still, you know. Yeah. No, yeah, look. <laughs> I mean, the Whiskey Fest had been going a few years. We did our first one at Tavern on the Green, and we had a whole load of exhibitors and well-supported. And uh, we had a good, I mean, you know, we had a good amount of visitors, and it was a really good first show. And uh, But, you know, the funny thing that I learned pretty quickly is everything in New York, unlike it is in the UK, is plus tax, plus tax, plus tax. So... Yeah. You forget that when you order food, it's everything's double tap, you know, and you're like, oh, it's actually kind of a lot more expensive than I <laughs> no. we got there. We, we 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 didn't make any money the first year, but we did the second year. So, look, putting on whiskey shows is is was what I sort of did for a while. Um, and then, so Gord, Gord, I want I want to I want to hold you on that for one second. In yeah. two thousand in two thousand and five, yeah, you no know, scotch is it's creeping in the United States, but it's not, you know. It's obviously nothing compared to what it is right now. You know, it, the bars would have the, you know, what the usual dozen, dozen and a half different scotch varietals. So yeah. But yeah. show was kind of like a big deal because, you know, especially in New York where, you know, fine dining, a little bit of an edge to it. Like you go to Keen's, you know, steakhouse, oh. and you look at their, you look at their insane whiskey list. I mean, I sometimes ask the bar manager, like, how often do you order? Because you have so many. It's like, dude, to be honest, man, like. We order the stuff that people order, but like a lot of the stuff's been with us for quite a while. It's like you yeah. really got to know your shit or want to go down the rabbit hole and go in the book and find something. But, you know, like most of these are not like, hey, they just released it in 2022. Yeah, well, no, yeah, absolutely. And this is the other thing is if you go to somewhere like Keynes, what a place. I mean, there's a lot of great places in New York and Brandy Library and, you know, great places. Oh, well, uh, yeah great places Keens are great food and i've done it and you know you have a look at the whiskey list you're like oh my god look at this and i know quite a bit about whiskey and you yeah. go well yeah but the, the same old things that sort of fly off the shelf unless there's a waiter or somebody who's in there who's really whiskey orientated going wait well, you, you really like that you should try this you know and that's where you, you you can expand the horizons and that's where training engagement with these kind of guys is so important so that the consumer you know, it's a bit like you go to your favorite restaurant and 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 you're like, oh, I'm gonna have the lasagna. I love the lasagna here. And the guy goes, hey, I know you love the lasagna, but you should try this tonight. You'll love it. And you yes. come away going, oh, I'm so glad you recommended that to me. That's really important in whiskey too, which is why engagement with the trade is really important. And look, back in 2005, one thing I would say is there was the the Master of Whiskey program by uh, Diageo, which was hugely important to help Scotch in the U.S. There was about ten or fifteen ambassadors many of whom I see fairly regularly around the States when I'm there. And uh, they did such a good job. And it wasn't just for Diageo. Yes, they sold Diageo products, but they actually did a lot for Scotch. So thanks to them. But it was a very different market back then. Oh, I mean, I mean, I was running restaurants and nightclubs around that period here in San Diego. 
Yeah. And like, you know, I don't think we had more than six scotches. And when I ran nightclubs, you had like two. Because like, you know, it was champagne, vodka, tequila, anything you could pour out really fast. Scotches yeah. took a little longer. You know, like, <laughs> like you would get Jameson because that was shot of Irish yeah. whiskey. You know, but there was no way that, you know, you would look at the, you know, my, my girls on the tables, they're like, he ordered a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. I'm like, either tell him it's sold out and only Johnny Walker Blue is available. And if you yeah. don't want to go up to that, just say we have no scotch because we're not going to make any money on that table tonight if this guy's nursing a bottle of scotch the whole night. Mm-hmm. No, I look, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> okay, like, can so I just say, can I, can I yeah. just say, I love San Diego. No. Right. I was here. I, I love it out there. <laughs> I love it. It's a for me growing up in Cape Town. It's a I was very fortunate to move here. Well, yeah, you know, it's like kept the same climate. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. Everything. I love it there. Same I love it there. I was th- was there last year for the first time. I was going. I like this place. Yeah, it's it's nice and relaxed. Really good, okay, yeah. so you're doing you're doing you're doing whiskey mag. You're doing shows. Yeah, you obviously are drinking a good amount of whiskey working for the magazine or getting to experience. Oh no, whiskey's unbelievable. You're in the I mean, inner circle. You absolutely are. I mean, I was commercial. I wasn't a writer. He goes, you're a writer? I said, no, I wasn't a writer. But I, I, you know, you get to do that. You obviously went on trips with the writers. So I was in Kentucky every year. I used to go to, because I looked after the American market from, from a bourbon perspective, which back then, let's be honest, there was nine distilleries. Yeah. <laughs> there, there literally was about nine. And we can, you know, all the ones you would expect. And yeah. I was like, there was, and now you look at it and you're like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So you had nine distilleries, you know, in the sort of Bardstown part of uh, part of uh, Kentucky. I used to go there for the Kentucky Bourbon Festival every year. We sponsored it. I was traipsing around trying to get budget out of guys for shows and whatever. But my God, did you meet some amazing people in that part of the world? And uh, so I would, you know, I I remember my first tour of Maker's Mark with David Pickerel. You know, the late David. Yeah. Pickerel. What a great, yeah. what a fabulous gentleman. Uh. You know, I was with him at Whiskey Fest in San Francisco when he when he passed. Well, I was at that Whiskey Fest. I wasn't with him when he passed, but we were at we were at Wingtip having a drink, and we got a text message, and we had just seen him in the lobby like that day. I was at with that Whiskey Fest in San Francisco that day. I remember it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And he was such a big character, such a man, and uh, he gave me an excitement that stands out. And then I remember getting going down the rabbit hole of. um, recipes and you know yeasts and mash bills with jim rutledge at four roses back then and uh why wow, that was an amazing day you know their sort of different way of doing things and i and then subsequently from that i mean going jumping a few years i did work for beam and makers mark as well so you know i've spent a lot of time in kentucky and have some very good friends there love kentucky i'm a scotch guy but by god i do love a bourbon but i eat like to me it's like every time i go there it's like disneyland <laughs> I just well. get to cruise around, have the best time of my life. You know, my first barrel pick with Four Roses was Al Young, the late Al Young. Oh, no, Al. Me, and Al gave me like a two-hour heritage and history with a couple of really good, you know, whiskeys yeah. from his private stash. And yeah. just sitting there going like, man, like shit's different. And the, and the craziest thing that stood out for me from that day was he was talking about the certain... Um, Generally accepted flavor notes and profiles that come from American whiskey. Yeah, you know, it's like you got, you know, caramels and toffees and stone mm-hmm. you got all the stuff that comes out. And he said when they took that investment, and I forget what the Japanese or the, it was the Asian company, but they sent their head sommelier out. Yeah. 
And this guy had never drank whiskey. Obviously, drank a ton of wine. And he said, here he is. He's sitting with this guy. And they're drinking. And the guy's like, oh, my God. And he's pulling out, like, wine notes out of whiskey. And I was like, shit, you're right. Shit, you're right. But it was just like, it was a different palate. And he said, like, that was one of the coolest experiences. Because he had been used to, you know, sitting with like-minded individuals. Be like, hey, this is what it is. And now he had this totally different palate that was seeing other sides to it. And, and, and that's where he was like, listen, within rhyme or reason, like, there's no wrong answer. You know, what you pick up at the end of the day? You know, no, it's, not, it's not a test and, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously certain houses have certain um, known styles and flavor profiles. But I just remember, like, what an experience with Al. Like, really, how I so much fun with him. And, you know, make his mark. I've done, I've done a few barrel picks there. And what always stole my heart from day one was like the husband and wife like made a loaf of bread to like figure out the right recipe for their whiskey that they were going to make in the future. If he didn't make a whiskey. And I was oh, like, this is like, this is, you know, because growing up drinking scotch and blended scotch, it was pomp and ceremony. Over there, it was just like, let's drink and have a good time. Yeah, it was, it was totally. ceremony. There wasn't much. It was no, I'd give you that. I'd give you that. And what was all... You know, the other standout was I met many great people there and, you know, we were still really good friends today. And, you know, I got, so I got a message drop a really good bar in Chicago called Delilah's, which I'm sure you've probably been to. And uh, it was their, was it their 40th birthday or 30th birthday? I can't believe 30th birthday. Gordo, are you flying over for our 30th birthday? I'm like, oh man, I'd love to, but I can't. And, uh, you know, they're friends I've known for 20 years. It's brilliant. I love this industry. Oh my God, I love it. I mean, I, this is one of those industries where I welcome the dinosaurs who've been around forever because they're just like a, just like so much knowledge and fun and experience. Because at the end of the day, this is like you said a few minutes ago, like pretty darn cool to get to do what you do. Look, the other thing about these guys and, you know, and, and, and women, and, and I'm glad to see there's many more women in the industry, yeah. but, um, is, is that there's a lot of guys and we're seeing it in Scotch now. And this is something I'm a little worried about. There's a lot of guys in this industry who are, you know, leaving it, retiring, and all those stories and all those things yeah. are going with them. And mm-hmm. if, as an industry, and I'm talking about the people who are now working in it, we need to capture all of these stories. We need to record these, you know, we need to get these stories out of these guys' heads. Some of these stories going back 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years are just fantastic. You know, it's just, you know, it's so important for an industry that's 200 and however many years old the Scotch whiskey industry yeah. is um, because stories are what is the fabric of what we are. Uh, whiskey, of course, the product is crucial, but it's all about it. stories. How we got there. How did this distillery 200 years ago survive to this day and filling your glass with whiskey? Unbelievable. Well, not only that, like, you know, you know, not only did the distillery survive, but how did they even do it 200 years ago? Like, you know, you, you go to Kentucky and you go to Buffalo Trace and you're like, how? This guy built like this giant thing with like there were no cars. There was, oh, yeah. like there was the, there was not even real cement. They were using like horsehair to keep the oh, things together. Oh, you know? And you're like, oh, yeah. and, and and the envision to do that is like, yeah, you know, like no, you know, you, you can draw it. I mean, the drawings are beautiful, but the execution was flawless too. And you're like, but how in the 1700s did you do that? The 1800s did you do that? Yeah, and then it's all those, you know, those little nuanced things that you might not notice, you know. Let's take Maker's Mark, you know, Maker's Mark, a bourbon. A lot of people, why is Maker's Mark not spelt with an E? Why is it whiskey in the Scottish way? Well, there's a story behind it. And you're like, 
So you find out that story and you're like, oh my Lord, that's amazing. That's why it's not spelled like any other bourbon or a lot of bourbons, you know? It's like it's spelled the Scottish, spelled the Scottish way. What's that about? And, and it's just one of those things that you're like, oh, that's really interesting, you know? And Scotch is full of it. You know, we've got more distilleries. We've got, you know, I used to go to Isla. I used to work for Bamore. So after I worked for Whiskey Magazine, I worked for Bamore, which then, you know, an Ockentoshan. And then that became part of Beam Suntory in 2014. So I then looked after the sort of Japanese whiskies, which is a whole nother brilliant place yeah. to go and visit. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Yamazaki and Hakshu, uh, Hakshu and, uh, and you're talking about, you're talking about 2014, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I was, yeah, I, I, I've been so, to, so you, so you I, saw, I, I mean, before you yeah. saw before you saw before, way before, like, and, and I tell people that was only seven years ago. Well, I have a funny story to tell you about, um, friends of mine who used to work at, so Morrison, Bermore distillers were bought by Suntory in about 1994 outright. That was Suntory's first ever sort of pitch into whiskey abroad. And the, the, high, the sort of main brand was Bamore. And they bought Bamore. And um, so as part of the sort of integration of Suntory, it wasn't that much of an integration, but they started to sort of import Yamazaki. And the, the, the sort of sales team for Morrison Bamore started to sell Yamazaki 18 in the early 2000s, 2005, 2006. No demand at all. No demand at all. They were giving it away with cases of Bamore, you know, genuinely. And the whiskey's not particularly changed, but Yamazaki 18's always, you know, people who knew, knew. Great product, yeah. and, but they could not give it away in the early 2000s. You know, they, used to sell it, they used to sell it here in Trader Joe in like 2012, 13. Yeah, I had a case of it and drank it. I mean, but I mean, <laughs> and I had a, it's a bit like I know the Van Winkles well. I had some Van Winkle and drank that before that all kicked off. But hey, I enjoyed right, it, yeah, so it doesn't but, matter. Yeah, that, but, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's what it's made for, for drinking. But, um, you know, it's just interesting to see the trends and how things change. And we see the, the, the slight challenges at the moment in the market. But, you know, it's um, I, I love this industry. And um, I'm, I'm I you know, having gone to Japan and seeing how they do things differently there. I've been to, I'm lucky enough to have been to distilleries in Australia and Kavalan and in, ta- in, in Taiwan. Yeah. And, and you just see the, the nuances and differences and you sort of sit there and it's all based on, it's all based on the same thing though, you know, grain, water and water here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the extra kick is it's the most exciting part for me is when you like, you meet the guy or the girl and it's the passion. Like, yeah. why did you start this? Like, the, you know, especially, you know, if you look at the explosion in the last five years, and I think social media has really helped with educate, it sped up the education. You know, I think in the early 2000s, you know, bartenders weren't as excited to pour a whiskey because it was only like eight or 10 bucks and yeah. mixed cocktails were already hitting 12 and mm-hmm. there was pump and ceremony and they looked good and stuff like that. You know, I remember my guys would make mojitos and get laid like almost every night because of the mojitos. You know, it was like this whole this whole thing as opposed to like, hey, here, the old man in the corner wants a scotch. Sure. Dude. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, and it's, then now, and now looking at these whiskey lists and the prices, you know, I, I, I often say, you know, if you wanted to go to a nice fancy dinner, you know, yeah. they could get you on, on, an, on a cocktail in the beginning that was generally a martini, you know, that, that was going to be 12 to $15. And then you want to go into a bottle of wines. Now they can start you out of the gates at a scotch $60 to however much you want to spend. I mean, you know, the Yamazaki 55. In Orlando at uh, Morimoto's is two thousand dollars for a half ounce. Mm. Yeah, 
It's just like, okay. I mean, you know, in, in Paris, you know, where they got those Beaumors, um, I forget in the back there, ugh, I can't think of the name. Le Maison's uh, bar inside. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know you are, yeah. Uh, uh, Silent Golden Prince, something like that. I, yeah, I know you are. I'm trying to remember. You know, yeah. Golden Promise. Golden Promise, uh, yeah, named, named after yeah, barley but, variety. Yeah, and, and they and they poured those Beaumors, and I think that they get like, I don't know, I want to say like 400, 400 bucks a glass. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. from those, like, and it's no problem, you know, because, like, I look at me, like, you know, I have such a huge collection, but I wasn't able to get some of those classics. Mm. But the stuff that I have is pretty classic. So if I'm out and I have the opportunity to drink it and pay for it, it's, you know, way easier for me to do that than crack one of my Yamazaki cherry casts to pay 250 for a pour. All day long. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Because yeah. the game has changed. It, the game has you know, Like, there's value now. Like, I look at, you know, I look at all the auctions and, and the options to buy and the, and the ability just to get whiskey and the demand. And I think yeah. it just goes hand in hand with there's been fucking amazing education that's been done that people there now has. like, wait. No, there has. And I think, look, I think there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot more people brought into the category. We could still do a lot more on, as I said, on ladies. But I think one of the yeah. one of the biggest growing category is, is women now, which is fabulous. It's a drink for everybody. Uh, I hate when people go, oh, you, if you're a starter whiskey, try this. Because I once had a lady come up to me at a Laphroaig event. And I said, uh, she, she said, um, I'm here with my husband. And I said, all right, where's he? He's just drinking over there. I said, have you ever had whiskey? No, I'm just here to, here, here, have this. And she smelt it. She went, ooh, drank it. She's been drinking Laphroaig ever since. Um, I mean, my wife, should, my, wife, my wife, my wife never went around whiskey and, Mictor's 10-year-old rye is her yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a whiskey yeah. for everybody. Trust me, there is. It's just in which form and which whiskey it is, I think. Um, but I'm a, you know, I'm a big advocate of that. And you know, certainly the we look at our portfolio, we've got Glengoyne, which is a great whiskey, and you know, there's mm-hmm. every casks in that in those older ages, fabulously, you know, rich and decadent, 25 and 30. And Tamdu, which is just doing all sherry casks, which is really beginning to oh. garner fans in the Far East all over the way. They love sherry casks in the Far East. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just doing really, really well. And obviously what we were sampling in Vegas, which was Rosebank, which is almost the antithesis of Tamdu. Mainly refilled casks, predominantly spirit-driven. So really, really diverse categories that we have. And, you know, we're seeing at the high end a real demand and people wanting wanting to access that type of whiskey of which you know we have some but only have limited amounts and but of course the 12 year olds are really important as well and that's you know it's the whole spine of the brand that really i'm i'm involved with which is really exciting well it's like i mean that night that thursday night dinner the legend yeah. dinner when you bust oh. out that rosebank like it stopped the room uh, you know yeah well like, and that was that was just like I, th- I think that was whiskey 15 of 16 yeah, yeah. Well, and that, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was definitely we were on the way, but it was pretty. Yeah. It was pretty interesting how that was just a showstopper, yeah, and especially that good. room is filled with you know, you know, ninety percent of the people there really know their shit. So it's all oh, yes yeah. to you know when you're was, going there, you go like, oh man, this is this is wow. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, like oh, look at all the people here. What he does to get oh. together because honestly, oh. it's like best in class. I mean, that's why oh, I miss sure. an event. Like to me. It's just you know, nothing else like that. Well, tell me a little, like on on Rosebank, like what's the what's the future looking like now that you've kind of reawoken the the the, the giant? 
Well, we we have we we have stills that are running. We are producing spirit. We're still ironing out some some you know things that you get when you build a distillery. But yeah. ultimately, as a you know, we're producing and it will be open from twenty twenty four. So um, probably I would think about sort of March time twenty twenty four. We've got a problem with a car park is one of the issues we're dealing with, but. Uh, Okay. Apart from that, we're ready to rock pretty much a few things. So we've just got to get ourselves sorted, get some people on board, and away we go. But that's going to take a while. But it will be open for people next year, and you'll come be able to come and visit quite a stunning distillery. Absolutely blow your mind away how beautiful it is. Well, I'm excited I, about that. I, I love all this kind of, you know, blasts from the past that are kind of coming back out. Yeah, yeah. I drink it. I drink a ton of independent bottling because, you know, when nobody wanted the stuff, these guys were grabbing it. Oh, get, so many great, you know, you get, you get moments of history where you're like, whoa, this is crazy, you know? And, and, you know, whoever it was, you know, McNeil or any of the other ones who grabbed it, they, you know, black adder, you just like, whoa, they just grabbed yeah. it because, you know, that was their business grabbing stuff that the, the distillery didn't really know what to do with. Oh no, for sure, and they, it, you know, it didn't fit the profile. No, it didn't fit the profile, and they would have got some absolute gems in amongst them all, you know, from all the distilleries. And I think now you look at it, you you know, a little bit more difficult at the moment. There's not a lot of whiskey moving around that like there was. So, but you know, you forget the other thing that's if anybody's out there who does like a blend, Scottish blended whiskeys in the seventies and eighties, unbelievable, oh, I agree. because. The quality of single malt was going into them because single malt wasn't a category. There was 20-year-old single malts going into these blends. And so you buy a bottle of, you know, white horse whiskey or, you know, uh, something like that. And, you know, in the, in the, from the 70s and 80s, and you can pick them up a bit of a steal on auctions, by the way. Some yeah. amazing whiskeys come, you know, some amazing quality of whiskey that you're getting for your, your relatively low price and that, uh, you know, blends in Scotland from the 60s and 70s and 80s. Fabulous. Well, I mean, for me, just growing up drinking blends, it's still my happy place to go back. Mm. And, yeah, I, and I kind of like, I kind of like the art of the blend. Mm. You know, it's not just a, it's not just a, a ring. It's, it, there's a skill. It's, it's a, you know, I, I put it in two huh? terms. Like these are very skilled chefs that can mix all these different batches together and yeah. make an amazing product. And understanding what role each malt plays within that. You have some that are foundation malts. You have top dresser malts, ones that are really going to lift the flavor profile. You have ones that are there to bulk it out. You've got ones that are, you know, it's understanding how those whiskeys affect your blend and, and the ratio, obviously, with grain. Fabulous. And I just, I, I'm still bemused by it a little bit. And I'm, bemused, I, I, I'm transfixed by blending, how it can I'm, harness whiskey. So you can have a very... I remember speaking to one of our blending team, you can have a very sulfury whiskey in or a very sulfury cask, which you would never ever do as a single cask. But in a blend of casks to make a to make a, a standard product, for example, sometimes within a blend that sulfury element lifts other things and be, and can really become a so in a smaller batch that's that that sulfury cask can really add something to a blend of casks. So so it's really interesting to see how you you know the art of blending, and I learned a lot when I was in um, a lot when I was in Japan on this because they are they genuinely are really the art of blending is something to behold. I mean, years ago, Johnny the Scott Mundell did a yeah yeah structure right, the Hibiki Twenty One, you know, at one of Mahesh's events. Yeah, 
And I still say, and then, and then this last one, you know, Ewan from Diageo did the deconstruct yeah. of Johnny Walker Blue. You know, yes. it was just like one of the one of the limited releases. One I forget which one yeah. it was. One of the the Ghost and Rare caps. Yeah, you know, and I'm just like, like this is like these guys are visionaries. The ones who blend these. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I mean, you know, I, you know, Johnny Walker Blue, brilliant. I love Johnny Walker Blue. I love Johnny Walker Black. I think they're both brother. Yeah. You know, brilliant whiskeys. And I had the, I had the, you know, I had the, I had the ability to, you know, sample Hibiki thirties and things like that. And, you know, just yeah. fabulously put together whiskies. And if you look at, you look at Hibiki, you look at Hibiki is a, is a, is a whiskey that is talked around. People talk about it like a single, oh. but it's a blend, you know, and it just shows you good whiskey is transcends the categories, you know? I a hundred percent agree. Uh, listen, we're churning through the time. Yeah, and man. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you a question that you might have one or two answers or, you know, maybe too many, but like, mm-hmm. are there, is there any experience that stands out to you where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm doing this? There's a few, there's a few in my lifetime in whiskey that I'm thinking I'm very honored to be doing this. One was when I was at Bomore. I was in the warehouses and it was with Rachel Barry, who was the blender at the time. Blender. And Eddie McCaffer, who's a story manager, I was the global brand ambassador. And there was 10 people standing in, you know, 10 high-end customers standing in the warehouse. I was sitting there listening to what they were saying and dropping in and out of time. I, I said one or two things, but not very much. But I got to drink the whiskeys and it was um, black, white and gold, but more. And I think when you drink whiskeys that are as amazing as those three whiskeys, the, the, the trilogy collection, that's the fourth mm-hmm. release of black Beaumont and the, the gold, which was bourbon and sherry and the white, which was all bourbon. They're three of the finest whiskeys I've ever drunk. And it was an amazing experience to drink that with some beautiful people in a beautiful warehouse on Beaumont. I mean, that's as good as it gets. I think, as I said earlier, the, 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 the uh, Maker's Mark tour with David Pickerel really stands out for me because of his hospitality and his engagement was unbelievable. But I've also, you know, had great experiences all over the world from when I went to, when I went to Yamazaki or was it Hanksha? I can't quite remember. I think it was Yamazaki and we were drinking, um, we were drinking, <laughs> we were drinking um, Mizanara for 50 year old matured Mizanara. And actually Johnny, Johnny Mundell was there as well. You know, at that okay. point, we were working together at, at Beam Centauri. And um, we're, t- we're tasting this whiskey. We're going, this is a bit... And, um, and it was just, it was actually not great. It was over-wooded. It was over, you know... Yeah, it was your tea. <laughs> and, and we were like, oh, this isn't great. And, you know, Shinji goes, yeah, absolutely, it's not great. And that's why we don't release whiskeys like that. Uh, but amazing experiences. Amazing. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the sherry component of the hibiki... I was fortunate to get quite a few sips out of that little travel bottle that used to go around, you know, yeah. and I was like, that could have been some of the best cherry whiskey I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, look lovely. But I mean, you know, one of the things which, you know, I, I'm passionate about whiskey in general, but one of the things I love about us as a business, we're a family business. We're driven by making great whiskey ahead of anything. So that's, we're not got shareholders. We don't have investors. We are. So what we can do, you know, Tamdu, prime example. When our owner bought Tamdu Distillery from Edrington, sister distillery to McAllen, you know, and yeah. they, they had been filling, they'd been filling great sherry casks at Tamdu. We bought it and we went, we just want to, Leonard, our owner went, I just want to make sherry cask whiskey. I think the finance guy, guys were a bit like, whoa, 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 hey, 
But that was a that's do re- quality. Do refills. Do refills. Don't get well, it's, a, it, it's it's a quality decision driven by as yeah. what I want to do rather than. So your volume aspiration. You're not going to use bourbon cast. Your volume aspiration has just gone down to you know and and but Tamdu's going to be a slow burner and we're waiting for a twenty one, and we'll have a twenty one in a couple of years, and we have some very very exciting leases coming from Tamdu. But um, you know that just sort of shows you how. You know, working for a family business, uh, which there aren't many of them these days, but it's no, that there no, are still some. You know, the the quality of the whiskey and the direction of travel is all comes from what's in the bottle. That's exciting. It excites me. I I love just the opportunity to try some of this amazing mm. whiskey that's from you know heritage and distinguished upbringings. You know, with with you know, they sucker for a good story every now and again, but you know, it's a liquor that speaks. You know, sure. it's something that I, you know, from from both sides as a consumer, no, no. educator, and investor, like I, I just you can't get these moments back. You know, I always tell people you can't just microwave twenty one twenty one year old whiskey. <laughs> it just doesn't work yeah. like that. It's yeah. got it's got to do its thing, and and that thing, you know, like the finance department sometimes doesn't like it going that long. They're like, hey, no, let's just take it out of twelve because like the money's there. What do you, what do, you do? Yeah, yeah. these extra night yet? We don't need it. So I'm, I'm excited for all the good stuff that keeps coming out. I think for we're, sure. in, we're in a fun period of whiskey right now with just a lot of greatness coming no, to the we top. Are. We are in a fun period. I think the, the long term, I think the next five, 10 years for whiskey is really, really positive. Yeah. I think the quality of whiskey in, in a general sense is really high. I mean, you know, I we all do it. We hunt back to whiskeys from 20, 30 years ago and we or 20 years ago, you drink them or you you know, whatever, and you go, oh, what an amazing whiskey. But I think in a, you, you will get that with the whiskeys that are produced today. It's just the general quality of whiskey has really come up in the last uh, 10 to 15 well, years, for sure. And that, that is, you know, I was in Kentucky with a, with a master distiller, and I said, what's the difference in your 23-year career from the whiskey when you started to the whiskey now? And he said, honestly, technology has made this whiskey a lot cleaner. It helps mm-hmm. us get rid of a lot of the impurities that we never saw. Or knew that existed, and it makes us sleep a little bit better at night with the product that we're putting out there. And he said that's where the technology has really stepped in. And I and I and there's parts of me that there's parts of me going that can relax on that. And there's parts of me like, oh man, I still love my steak and my skillet pan, not my non-stick one. <laughs> like, <laughs> Extra flavor. No, I still want to catch a little something, something. But it is what it is, you know. I that's why I'm just gobbling up all these, you know, old school independent bottlers on Alton <laughs> as much as I can. Just yeah. you know. Just to have fun with the stuff. No, totally. And you'll always get that sort of slightly hit or miss with an independent bottling. But, you know, yeah. um, uh, but I mean, there is the general quality is fabulous. And, and you know, there's um, it's an exciting time. Really. There's a there's a couple of challenges in the markets around the world at the moment. But, that, you know, having just come back from China, it's not it's not firing on all cylinders as a country. But, uh, um, you know, it will be. And uh, whiskey is, you know hugely popular and even in you look at the you look at the you look at the global sort of sphere you look how important america is what's happening in the uk what's happening in in china and the east and then you go oh, yes. no, nobody's even mentioned india uh you know india no. a one changer <laughs> unbelievable so yeah there's the it's it's a very exciting time to be in this industry well i can't thank you enough for coming on today do you want to plug any social media well, I mean, I am on social media. If anybody wants to, Das one if you want to follow me, that's my Instagram. You can find me on that's Facebook. Pretty, he's, he's living a pretty good life. I'm not going to lie. I do enjoy it. Yeah, 
I'm on there. Uh, yeah, so follow me on Instagram if you like. Follow Tamdu. You'll find them all. Follow Glen Goyne. Follow Smokehead. Follow everything we do. We produce great whiskey. Ian McLeod Distillers. Love it. It's been great to speak to you, sir. I appreciate you, sir. Hopefully see you soon. Thank you, yeah. everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate these shows. Really sorry to look at the data. And Gordon, I appreciate you, sir. Hopefully Not see at you all. soon. Definitely. I hope to see you soon. Lovely to see you. All right, my friend. I talk to you soon.